Hello and welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. I'm Harry Bliss, CEO and co-founder of Champion Health, and today we're joined by award-winning wellbeing practitioner Hayley Farrell. Hayley is the Global Wellbeing and Resilience Manager at Arcadis, heading up the wellbeing strategy for 33,000 people across 70 countries globally. Today we're going to be discussing all topics workplace health, ranging from psychological safety all the way through to how there needs to be more collaboration between wellbeing, HR, DNI, and L&D going forwards within our organizations. Welcome to the podcast, Haley. Hello, Haley. How are you doing? Hi, Harry. Well, thank you. How are you? Doing really well today, really well today. So, so much to discuss, 12 minutes to do it all in. That's the big challenge for today. Um, and where I'd love to start is just a bit more about your background and how you've got to the position that you're in today. Thanks, Harry. I am a HR generalist. So I come from an HR background, was practicing in HR for many years until I moved across to well-being, sustainability and assurance. And this is where my lens on the topic that we're going to discuss today and is very close to my heart, psychological safety, really embedded in in my understanding of, of well-being. So moved into work alongside risk management, health and safety, technical compliance, sustainability and social value. So really broad in terms of how do we look after our people at work? And how do we do that in an impactful way, not just for our employees, but for the communities in which we work in and their families as well? And that's something that's fascinating in terms of the family being a key stakeholder as well um, within the employee journey. And something I'd love to touch upon is psychological safety, because we get so many requests around it. Where do you start when it comes to psychological safety? Because it's such a big topic. It is such a big topic. And I think from my experience we're still at the beginning of the journey in terms of of psychological safety and what it means in the well-being space. Um, I hear it thrown around quite a lot in conversation, but when you really get to understand what it means to somebody, it is very different in terms of what I like to think of it as in terms of definition. So for me, if I had to choose five words, it's a culture of rewarded vulnerability. So how are we encouraging people to be vulnerable in a place where they feel safe, they feel listened to, they feel like they can take risks, that leads to innovation, but they also feel that they can speak up without fear of negative repercussion. And that links into mental health stigma, it links into diversity, equality and inclusion, it links into human rights, um, health and safety. So it's really about creating that broad understanding that demonstrates that intersectionality between the different functions in an organization when we talk psych safety, because I think the word safety can put people off a lot because then they think, oh, it only sits in the in the safety function. Um, but really, it is a collaborative piece. And that's something we've caught, about, uh, caught up about many a time around that, um, that collaboration, um, especially internally across departments. Is that one of the biggest challenges across a global organization to be able to make sure that we're able to connect departments to make sure that we're all moving in the same direction together? I think so. In my experience, the world is moving so quickly and there is huge expectation in terms of delivering and in terms of what organizations need to be doing or to be seen to be doing. And this comes into having to report metrics, having to demonstrate to stakeholders or even in, in tenders, you know, they're asking for a social value proposition. And 
I think that's really challenging because it's making the departments drive forward to make change. There's a lot of ambition, but sometimes we can do, do, do rather than stop and check. Are we collaborating? Are we all working towards the same goal? And I truly believe sometimes less is more. You don't need to add somebody else in to do something else. Let's do less, but let's make sure that we are linking the narrative. So when we are talking about an underrepresented group, what is the psychological safety and the well-being impact on that underrepresented group? Don't talk about it in isolation. And when we start to have those conversations, I think that's when it will become easier, more joined up and less of a, we need to be seen to be doing something um, and potentially have more impact. I think that's a really powerful message. And it's something that I see across so many organisations at the moment around what their intentions are. It's very challenging then to translate it into um, that practice. And something that, that we've noticed is that you've got the ISO 45003 um, certified standard by BSI. How did you go about getting that? Because you were one of the first organisations to be able to, to get that certification, weren't you? We were. It was last year. Um, I clearly remember the end of the audit bursting into tears it was very overwhelming and it was just such a such a powerful uh, time in terms of the movement of well-being. For me, it, it takes us out of that promotional space into a more preventative space. And it's about the organization acknowledging that there is a responsibility and a duty of care to employees. So how we went about doing it, we had a number of stakeholders in the business that all supported and collaborated we had our audit teams, we had our health and safety teams, our HR teams, risk management. And it was about looking at the standard, developing a gap analysis against the standard, and then working through methodically to say, okay, what don't we have? What do we need to, to do? I will mention that we did have ISO 45001. So we already had a framework in terms of a management standard. So it was about building on and adding psychological safety to that. It's not a prerequisite prerequisite to have 45,001, but it did help us in terms of having a system in place to identify hazards, to be able to identify control measures, to mitigate them, and then to implement those controls and continuous improvement. But it really does come down to conversation and it comes down to creating that safe space where people can be vulnerable to say things aren't working and know that there's going to be action to improve where possible. You know, we don't have to improve everything because we don't live in a perfect world, but we need to take action where there is where there is negative impact on people's well-being. And I'm not surprised you were emotional when uh, when it came to achieving that certification. Um, I think it's something that's a huge undertaking and kudos to you and the, the wider team at MCOR for, for doing that. And something we spoke about previously was connection internally within business, combining the well-being team with DNI and L&D um, and making sure everything's connected. And one of the mm -hmm. things we also spoke about offline was the importance of connection as workplace health leaders and sharing mm -hmm. best practice. Mm -hmm. Would you just be able to elaborate on that for the listeners today, if that's okay? Yeah, definitely. I think well-being, well-being shouldn't be a separate agenda item. And I know we talk about this a lot. You know, we shouldn't see well-being as another pillar or another position in an organization. Everything that's going on in an organization will impact well-being. So we talk about career development and succession planning, which sits within L&D. We talk about EDI, equality, underrepresented groups, which would be in your diversity, belonging and inclusion team. The safety. We then talk about 
value, purpose, and this comes into leadership accountability. The purpose, where are we going? What is the direction of travel? So for me, well-being is across so many departments that, again, comes back to that point, less is more. You don't always need to do something else to support the well-being of your people. It's just potentially might need a few tweaks or additions to what's existing already. So I think it's imperative that you work together and that you create an understanding of broad, holistic well-being and don't just see it as the promotional activity. That's self-management, essentially, because individuals know what's good for them, but they need the environment to be able to thrive in. And that's what we can take responsibility for. Absolutely. Um, And the final thing I'd love to touch upon on today's session, and again, this is from previous conversations that we've had, is around the importance of holistic well-being. That mental health, and it's been amazing to see the journey um, that mental health and, uh, and the awareness and the breaking of the stigma has been on across the last few years. But has that somewhat come at the cost of other areas of well-being that are really important for our mental well-being, for our physical health and the other areas as well? Definitely. I think, I think mental well-being is often a, a manifestation of something else that could be going on. And that could be physical illness. It could be financial stress which will impact your mental health. So it's about, again, connecting it, not seeing them as individual buckets, allowing people to understand how lack of social connection, loneliness and isolation will have an impact on mental health. And then how do we create that community to support people? So I do think that we cannot focus on mental health on its own, but we shouldn't make the buckets so separate that we don't see that they do kind of run into each other. And just on on the last point as well, I just wanted to mention the importance of being able to, you, you, we kind of spoke about it in the previous question, but being able to share best practice and not reinvent the wheel in this industry. You know, we've got so many amazing people who are passionate about well-being, but we should be sharing and learning so that we can collectively move this forward in the right way. Because I do strongly feel that we can't we can't fight the battle on our own, but we also have to be mindful of what we say because we can say things that can damage the space if your reason isn't authentic for being here to make change. I think that's a really powerful message. And for any workplace health leader going forwards, um, we would love to be able to share best practice and, and learnings going forwards too. So Haley, thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. It's been a real pleasure chatting to you. Thanks, Harry. It's been great. For more exclusive insights and content around workplace wellbeing, please subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.